everyone, and welcome to the Library Marketing for Library Marketers podcast. Thanks for returning to listen today, and welcome to you if this is your first episode. I'm your host, Katie Rothley. I'm a fellow library marketer. I'm also a librarian and artist, and I love books just like you. This podcast is for library marketers, obviously, (laughs) Uh, and I hold informer conversations with other library marketers, but also with some experts in the marketing field outside of libraries thrown in the mix. Also, I want to encourage you, uh, please feel free to send me any questions, comments, or ideas for future topics, if there's something going on in at work for you that um, you'd like to hear about, maybe for a future podcast episode, feel free to send me an email at ro, T is in Tom, H, L is in Larry, E is in Elephant, Y, K is in Kite, at gmail.com. All right, let's get started. Great, so hi. Hey. <laughs> I'm Katie. It's so nice to see your face. (laughs) It's great to see you and congrats on the podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm a little behind um, because of the holidays. And then I've been, I I actually work a full-time job as a librarian and I do marketing. And then um, I work a part-time job as a substitute librarian. (laughs) (laughs) So so you're inundated. (laughs) Yeah. I've got a lot going on. <laughs> Plus, I mean, I, I'm not sure um, where you are, but I'm in the state of Michigan and in the wintertime, the daylight. Um, yes. I'm in Cleveland. I'm in Ohio. So. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Also, not far from here at all. Yeah. yeah. We're, yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to the Library Marketing for Library Marketers podcast. I'm so um, grateful that you are able to join me tonight and um, talk about marketing and hopefully content marketing. But um, for anyone listening, would you mind introducing yourself and share a little bit about your background? Sure. So I'm Ann Ginn, and I have uh, my own business called GeForce Communication. Um, When we talk about content marketing, one of my clients, I'm an editorial consultant for the Content Marketing Institute. So um, that's one of those fun clients where I get to both learn as I'm working on projects, as well as uh, write and and then share that knowledge with my other clients from that. So um, yeah, it keeps keeps me busy. And and then then I help organizations uh, with their content marketing, marketing strategies, really focused on the strategic part, because I'm a strong believer in having a written strategy as you go about your marketing. So um, yeah, and I'm based in Cleveland, Ohio. And my background, earlier background, before I got into marketing, I was a journalist. So uh, bringing, keeping the word theme for the rest of my, for my career. That's really impressive. And honestly, um, I've been finding in my own profession that a lot of people get their start in journalism and then they find themselves in libraries. So who knows, maybe in five to 10 years, you'll be working for a library. (laughs) Well, and that's funny because my library connection, which is not related to my marketing, I do, I am on the board of trustees for our local public library. So I've got my library thing going too in the in the whole fun of everything, but it's not this. It's not my it's not my business. It's my community involvement. <laughs> yep, love libraries. I love that you already kind of have your foot in the door. 
right, right. Yeah. Now I could get it across my fingers. <laughs> strategy and having a, a written plan down. Um, and I know I wanted to talk about content marketing with you, but um, I also think like having the strategy part is often something people in library who libraries that um, do marketing for libraries may not necessarily have a lot of knowledge or or um, background in. So could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. And I have to say, it's not just libraries. Everywhere, more often than not, marketing. So that's what I'm saying. Don't anybody feel bad like, oh, libraries do this. This is pretty much everywhere. You get task focused, right? We need a flyer. We need this graphic made for the website. We need to update the website. We need to do these tasks. And that's great. And stuff needs to get done. And that's what people see. But the strategy is the why behind it. And it's to make sure that you're doing what works best for your library. So what are your library's goals to do it? Is it to increase um, people to come in and get their library cards? You know, is that is that important? Or is it more to understand the other services, the, the I'm going to say the new era services that aren't just, it's not, there's more than books from that kind of thing. So you've got to understand what's the library trying to achieve and then kind of write it down of how does marketing help that? And, and really that starts with who's your target audience. Um, and I think you've talked about that before, but really focusing on who's our primary audience. And it's so tempting, particularly because libraries serve so many different people uh, from all walks of life for a variety of services and interests that it's tempting to say anybody in the community. And <laughs> right. I mean, anybody's going to walk through that door. You're, they're going to be welcomed into the library. That's the whole thing about libraries <laughs> to come through. But by marketing is about focusing on the target audience. So it doesn't preclude those people from visiting and patronizing the library. It just is saying, what are you targeting? And if you think about like children's story time, you're targeting a very specific group. I, I, I'm, you know, a middle-aged woman with no small kids. I'm not the person you target for yeah. children's story time from that. So it's just being more deliberate. And then the last part of it is in a strategy is writing it down because anybody who's playing the game of telephone knows when I say post to Instagram, what did like, if I said, do you post to Instagram? What does that mean to you from it? Yeah. Uh, for me, that would be to create a graphic or capture a moment in time inside the library with something that has to do to the library, right? A little, right. um, copy and then and then publish it to Instagram <laughs> right and that's your but what if I, I could have meant you I wanted a reel created or a video done for this so even just saying post to Instagram seems like everybody would know what that means but it doesn't necessarily and so I appreciate you sharing that because it's slightly different so that's where writing something down how are we going to who's our audience what are we how are we reaching them and how are we measuring our success Marketers hate to put numbers to things, uh, <laughs> but, and, and it used to be, I'm old enough in the old days. Yeah. You, you'd be like, well, I don't know. You know I mean? It's hard, it's hard to assess it, but in this digital era, there is, there are plenty of ways to assess it. So getting all the numbers in there too. 
I like, I like that clarification that you made um, about not being overly uh, generalizing with um, just statements like post to Instagram, but to get really clear and explore what your intention is and what your um, intended outcome is. Yeah, it helps for those who you're working with, even if, and even if you're a one person band and which is so often, right. That from that, maybe there's a student helper coming in, or maybe there's somebody who's an, somebody who isn't as familiar with it. And, and I always say, I'm not one who goes, does, does the, if you get hit by a bus strategy or, or that analogy, mine is when you win the billion dollar lotto, you buy your private Island and it has no cell service. So when that happens to you and you are not in your current job, it's also smart to have for the library, but it's also, it's a good sign for your bosses, right? If you have it written down and they can see it, that's a smart move from a, or just from an internal politics understanding or positioning, I guess. Plus you could um, return to it later and evaluate whether it was successful or not and use that information uh, to change your strategy or keep doing what works. You're, you're so right. And it doesn't, I think when people hear strategy, they think it has to be this big production. <laughs> it has to be a three ring notebook. Um, and that's where it's fact I do. And I, I share on my website, basically a one page strategy. It, Cause my other thinking is if you write First of all, you don't have time to write the three ring notebook strategy, but even if you did, nobody's going to read it. <laughs> so, no. or certainly haven't memorized. Um, you know, that's that's the kind of thing I would do with clients. I'm like, you could pay me to do that, but but only one person's ever going to read it, the person who hired me. Um, so I'm a big proponent of of one page strategies to just get it in there and you've gotten it done. And most of the time, right, people know the answers as you you already know what you're doing. And like you talked about metrics. So then you can go back and look at it and that can help you inform your future changes. Um, But you can just at least get down what you're already doing. In your experience, what would you say is the best um, form of metrics to, to utilize? It depends on what your goals are. Okay. But I will say this, social media metrics are not the top tier metrics you should care about. Mm. Likes, comments, and shares. I, I like shares are, are lovely, um, but it's hard. They Those people, so social media can go away. Yeah. You don't control social media, right? And, and we've seen the conversations about Twitter. Nothing's really yeah. changed too much right now, but it, there's the concern of it doing that. You've seen Facebook change algorithms, same with Instagram. I mean, you've seen it all over, right? So you don't control that audience. If they change it, you don't know, you can't reach out to those people. So a like from some anonymous person is 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 nice, right? It's kind of like somebody says, oh, I like that sweater and they move on with life. They just pay you a nice compliment and it feels good, but there's really no place to go with that. So, right. um, so that's why I'm not the biggest fan of social metrics. I'm more of a fan of how are people interacting on your website? Where's that traffic coming from on your website? Where do they go once, like where's the first page they go on your website? 
And then where do they go next um, to understand how they're using it from that? The ultimate thing that I like are, are email databases. So most often it's a newsletter that they convert into a newsletter. They sign up for your newsletter. They sign up for a class, you know, whatever it is, um, because then you have their contact info. And then you're in control of communicating with them. They've invited you into their email inbox. And, th and that's um, something you need to treat appropriately and preciously and honor that. But at least now you have a chance of reaching them directly and you don't have to worry about what those guys are doing <laughs> with their social media companies. <laughs> You know, that's interesting that you say that because um, I know in the libraries I've been at, uh, some might value the metrics um, offered in the social media, and that's usually what we use for reporting, but um, others may not use that, that information to report at all, but we do collect data from our email, our website, and our ILS systems, which is basically, it tells us how um, items circulate in the building. Yeah. yeah. And um, we are using that information, but it's good to know that it doesn't make as much of a difference compared with email and website traffic. Yeah. Well, in the, like the ILS stuff, that's a great library. If you're promoting you know, a book club or a, or a book, let's say, or materials, if you have, I know in, so I'm on the board of the Rocky River Public Library in Ohio, you know, there are STEM kits that people can check out. So if marketing's doing something about STEM kits, then you can look at the actual, which is always exciting, right? To see, <laughs> yeah. to see that trip, like, oh, right, it works. <laughs> Sometimes we just keep doing stuff and we forget to be like, oh yeah, it, it does work from it. And so, you know, I think there's a number of ways, but it's really thinking about what matters. And in a lot of cases, social media metrics are a good thing to include. That's important. Particularly, it's familiar with people who aren't necessarily as close in marketing to understand that that's not, I've been on other, this isn't specific to my library board, but I've been on other boards where people are always like, how can we get more likes? And and <laughs> that board member doesn't understand marketing, but you you do sometimes what you need to do, Right. Well, I'm, I mean, we could probably just go off on a tangent on the, <laughs> for the next like 45 minutes, but um, I feel like at the end of the day, doesn't the algorithm like kind of control who sees what and when, and it uses keywords and you only have like this um window of time between when you post and when your post becomes a little less visible, I sure. guess. Is, yeah. yeah, like Twitter. I mean, Twitter is certainly a timeless thing. But the other thing is you have to think about these companies are in it to make money. There's nothing wrong with that. So they're going to figure out to show people the content that's going to keep them engaged on the site. They're going to, you know, Facebook has just changed its algorithm. I think they don't announce this stuff to show more like related. I know Twitter's doing this related or recommended content and you don't see your friends feeds anymore or as much as you did from that kind of stuff. There's all a movement because they've got to figure out how to make money um, to, to do that. What's going to bring in revenue. And again, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it's not your business. It's their business. So you're right. The algorithms change 
And it's not, they're not necessarily looking out. They're certainly not looking out for marketers unless you have a paid budget. They will be glad to take your money to do that, but they are not looking out for general audience building that marketers um, are doing. Yeah, definitely not on social. So that brings me to my next question, because I think I read on Content Marketing Institute or HubSpot um, that if you put a link in your post, then the algorithm kind of downvalues your post and shows it to less people because they want to keep people on the website and not, um, you know, deterred away from it. It it makes sense that they would. I, I so I I obviously have no clue if they're if they're doing that now. But it would make again their goal is to keep you inside the business, right? Their business. Yeah. They don't want you to walk out the door from it. So that would make sense without knowing the specifics. But that would make sense, right? That they want to keep you there. I love social media to drive people to 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 include links, even if it even if it could hurt something to like or to promote newsletter signups and registers and stuff. Use social to market for what really the data that you really want to do that and do it in an, a, a relevant way. It still has to be relevant to the person. But um, looking at how do you use social as a marketing tool as opposed to get your other market to achieve your other marketing goals. So um, that brings us to what I was really hoping to talk <laughs> with you is content marketing. And um, I heard from somebody else that I had interviewed recently that content marketing often gets really confused. Um, people don't really know what it is. <laughs> I, I mean, would you agree with that? <laughs> yes. So I think in marketing, we get caught in terms a lot uh, from it. And so content marketing can be confusing. And I have family members who like still don't get it. Um, <laughs> and I've been doing, you know, the content marketing institute was founded, I don't know what, 13 years ago, something like yeah. anyways. Uh, so I've been doing it for a while. Um, yeah, content marketing can seem confusing, but it's actually fairly simple um, okay. from it. It's the the idea, the concept behind content marketing is to go to a target audience to reach a targeted audience on behalf of your organization to build a relationship with that audience so that they know about you, uh, believe, trust you, so that ultimately they take a profitable action. And and profitable doesn't just have to be money. Um, you know, in a library, it could be patronizing the library from that or increasing their visits. But the idea of using content to educate, inform, or entertain an audience so that they will be connected to your organization and then ultimately take some kind of profitable action to, to do that. Where I think the confusion comes in is because everything's content, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so the, but the difference between content on a website that's just your about us page Mm -hmm. could be from that or your description of services let's go with that one's probably a better example your description of services that's content in marketing mm. but it's not designed to educate inform entertain to to build trust with an audience so that they ultimately act uh take an action it's not targeted it's it's just a list of services and i think that's where content marketing versus marketing content um and in the end it 
it's all about how you look at it more than the terminology you use from it because there's a lot of crossover. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, I think what I can take from that is that content marketing has more of like a story behind it with some kind of value added um, outcome that if people, you know, relate to whatever you're trying to share, whether it's information, if it's educational in nature or entertaining, they get something out of it, like increased quality of life or success somewhere, whereas marketing content is more of like a menu, just, it's just info. Yeah. And marketing content is designed to push you through, I'm going to use business term, but push you through a funnel to ultimately have the sale, right? Marketing content is designed to get you to that sale, whatever that is from that content marketing is about is exactly what you said it's about giving value to the person so that they feel some kind of connection or remember you i mean it doesn't it doesn't have to be this deep connection like wow i love this brand forever cuz yeah. <laughs> let's face it we don't love many brands uh, we don't have that passion for it libraries actually could do have that passion but it's the idea of a long term relationship you know as far as a direct hey I want you to buy, you know, I want you to buy this, buy this. And content marketing is is really looking at that long-term relationship and, and building some kind of value in there for both the audience that ultimately will help the business. Yeah, you're totally right. So um, maybe you could help me and maybe uh, some of the listeners will relate to this. But when I first, so I like to call myself an accidental marketer and you may not know who Kathy Dempsey is, but she wrote the book, The Accidental Library Marketer. And um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of us are accidental marketers, even though the field tends to be increasing the amount of positions in libraries that are dedicated to marketing activities now, which I think is fabulous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But like uh, when I first started out, I would do like a screenshot of a particular database or a item in a special collection. And I'd be like, hey, this is here. Come and check it out. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. And then um, now I I still find myself doing that sometimes because I have so much to do and right, it's just right. easy. It's, it's easy. <laughs> but um it every once in a while I think there's gotta be a better way to do this because I notice like with those posts, they don't get the same kind of reaction that just simple posts of library staff, or if I am able to, and I get permission, candid shots of people using the library um, or attending an event, which is like a snapshot in a moment of time, but has context. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? How could we improve yeah, and I think it's fine to start that way, right? When you just to get, hey, I've got something out there. We have this new book or this new activity and take a picture. It's and you're exactly you're in the right direction of what you're hearing and what you're seeing is 
when people are involved, now it's a story, right? Now it's a story. There's a person who came here who did something, even if it's just a picture of them making a craft. Um, we recently had the holidays, you know, and people were making ornaments and things like that. That tells a story, even in just one picture. And that's where, even if it's a new book, connecting people to the story is great, right? And so I, what I tell people is, what would you read? What would you look at? What would make you interested? in it or notice something from that. And while that's not the absolute, you should also do understand your audience. You're not everybody. So I'm not yeah, saying yeah. only do that, but yeah. start from that point. Like, and I, this is what I used to do in, in journalism and, and we'd be writing in, for a local newspaper and covering city council meetings and stuff that's most people Dra think are boring. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I would say, I did this to myself. And then when I was an editor, I would say to the reporter, would you read this article? And they're like, no. Okay, well, go back and rewrite it. Rewrite that lead. Get that intro. Because if you wouldn't read it, so if this, then why should anybody else? And so I, I kind of take that challenge. If you wouldn't look at a post or an article, you know, a picture, then then don't don't pass it off. Don't make your audience try to. Don't think your audience is going to want to. So looking for the story, and that doesn't have to be a lengthy novel or even a short story. <laughs> It can just be connecting it to um, who's, you know, who's this book good for? What's what's one thing that's interesting about this book? You've got patrons, ask them for a quote on something um, and include that with the book from that or one of your staff members to give a quote because now you've put a person to it and suddenly now that book's come up, at least there's some credibility to it, right? I'm not just taking a chance on a, book jacket cover, which is a good choice, but I now going to say, oh, somebody I know, or I've seen, or has a connection, they enjoyed this book and here's why. And that resonates with me. So kind of look at what would attract you, what would make you read it if you weren't uh, having to look at it. There's, I feel like there's a little bit of psychology in that too, because if we see somebody enjoying something, then we think, well, maybe I would enjoy that too. Yeah. It's the, it's also the fear of missing out, right? It's, it's just like if people review things online, there's all sorts of research to say that if, if the individual review makes a bigger impact and friends and family referrals make a much bigger impact than other types of incentives for people to buy a product to do that, they, because they trust it, right? It gives them trust. And, and that's part of it. Even when you're deciding, you know, you're talking about how busy you are and so many people are so busy that the precious time to read a book, to participate in activity, they that's, that's a gift that they're giving from it. So they want to make sure that, or they want to make sure their time is well spent, right? From that, what precious time they do have to devote to that kind of thing. They want to make sure they make the best choice. Because let's face it, we've all been there where you get in the first chapter or second chapter of a book and you're like, okay, this isn't for me. And I you feel like you've wasted all this time or you go go on because you're like, I still have to finish it from that. So it's, it's too, uh, so you don't have that feeling um, from it that you know from the very beginning that you're more likely, or at least you think you're more likely to, to like it. I'm curious, you know, if, um, if depending on your target audiences or, you know, which one you're, you're writing copy for, if you should use different kinds of language, because 
I, <laughs> I'm in my um, late thirties and I'm a white woman and I don't have children. So I don't have the experience of being a mother. I'm obviously not retired. So I, I don't know what that lifestyle looks like. So, so for someone like me, um, who is writing these stories, these messages and trying to add value. Do you think it, I mean, obviously I'm, I can try and relate and empathize and kind of imagine what would be concerns or what they would want to invest their attention and time in. Um, but do you think the language should change based on retired, older senior citizens um, versus, you know, like a working professional versus a mother who wants the best for their children? Yeah, I don't think it needs to. In those categories from that. So here's what I, but what I do think a library should have or whoever <laughs> is a voice. A voice. Yeah. So, and that's where you kind of document all this, right? It's in some places, often people make this part of their style guide. So understanding, obviously, how do you use the serial comma? Do you capitalize this? That's all part of a style guide, certainly. But then there's this other part of it. And that's, that's the voice of it. So there's an exercise and you might ask other people, you could ask patrons, different people, three words to describe our library, right? What's if, if our library was talking, how, what, what kind of voice would it be using? And you could, or make it as simple as possible in that question. So is it, is it fun and engaging? And I'm just making this stuff up. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and educational? Well, so fun and educational, you can kind of see how that voice comes together. Or is it more formal and uh, academic and educational? Well, academic, educational, and, and formal, you could hear how that would, you can think about how that voice would be different than fun educational from that. And so that helps guide you to understand your library's voice and meet that with the people. Now, the type of content may change. If you're targeting a senior audience, you wouldn't be using, uh, it wouldn't make sense to use um, emojis and and uh, text acronyms yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. But, that. but then if you were doing a teen program, that might make sense. So that's okay to kind of use different words and expressions from it, but you still could, let's say you, I'm going to go back to my fun educational. You could still have a fun educational voice for both um, in that you just, it's your word selection. It's your approach to the actual content when you're doing it for that specific audience. So I have an admission here and um, I please, I hope nobody judges me. <laughs> no one <laughs> <But> will. <laughs> If they do, it's all, it's all right. I don't mind. Just um, don't tell you if they judge you, right? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so when it comes to teens, I used to be one, but I was not a typical teen. I didn't have a typical um, teen experience or upbringing. <laughs> and now I feel like the generation has gone through something completely different from back when I was a teen. How do I figure out how to target 
teen audiences and what kind of messages they actually want to see or hear. Mm -hmm. Do you have any teens working in your library? We do. They're, they're very shy. <laughs> right. That's where who works, you know, as far as that goes. Um, ask, ask for their help. Okay. You know, as far as like saying, hey, can I, I need your help. And obviously you're going to talk to their supervisor, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately just, can you help me with this? And then they ask them if they're not the one, like they can tell you, but say, hey, do you have two friends you think might be able to willing to come in, set up a little focus group? And, and run by stuff with them. Like you could even just do pictures or words and say, yay, nay, kind of thing. Make it, make it easy for them to participate. Um, teens like to be asked for their opinion. I mean, everybody does, right? For that, yeah. they like to know they matter. And, and do that with any audience with, with, with which you're not familiar or you make assumptions, right? You make assumptions based on who you are at your age and your stage of life about how other people that you're similar to you would feel. And you know, that's not always true. Right. Right. So, right. so just like with teens, by talking to the actual people in that, um, if there's a, with libraries gathering different groups of people. So, you know, if it's the seniors and you'd have a tech program, go listen to one of those classes. I mean, you may lose your sanity because I have helped seniors <laughs> with technology and, and done it, but you can listen to what they're talking how are they asking questions, right? What questions are they asking? Um, how are they phrasing things to do that? Uh, the same with if there's a teen club or a volunteer activity that teens are involved with, just go and listen and, and do that. Because even they don't have to be the typical teen because A, there's no typical teen, but also they're connected to the library. So they're your, they're your the library teens that you're interested in from that. Interestingly enough, we just completed a strategic plan, and I know I've mentioned this before in other interviews, so hopefully um, no one gets sick of hearing it, but um, just to let you know, we've, we've uh, completed a strategic plan, and I've gone through some of the data and the feedback and everything and discovered that teens also happen to be one of the hardest audiences to um retain as far as their I don't want to call it a membership because I I mean obviously property owners pay a little portion into a millage that um is how the library is funded so like everyone should have a library card that lives in the city or township sure. um, or district or or whatever uh but they also tend to be the hardest one to get to come into the library to get a card and then consistently use it. Yes, they're teenagers. Yes. <laughs> so, so here's what I would also say. Understand the behavior of what you can change or that there's, you don't want to target an audience. And I'm not saying never target teens, but what that's when you look at your metrics, Right your teens are going to be far different than your under five crowd, right? I realize the parents are making the decision for the under five crowd, but, but <laughs> as far as that goes, so maybe teens, you shouldn't be targeting teens as much as a different audience. If you're looking for big numbers, mm. you, that kind of thing. So again, go back to what are your marketing goals? 
And when, and if you're marketing to teens, that's great, but manage expectations within it because you can only change, you can only encourage behavior that they want to have. You're not creating, you are not creating that new behaviors from that in general. If somebody wants a library card, that's a person who wants a library card, right? The the person who doesn't want to check out anything from the library that doesn't plan to visit a library, they may, even though they live in the community, they're not your target audience. You don't want to have to work really hard to persuade them to get a library card that they may or may not use. But it, right, even if it helps your numbers, in some cases you might, because it might help your numbers if you're being measured on new, new library cards. But go for meaningful things and what you're doing and figuring out your measurements be realistic in that. So if you find that stuff isn't working with an audience, whether it's teens or something else, can you do something differently? Or is it something that that's audience is not, shouldn't be the target um, for what you're particularly looking at? Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, this, which kind of brings me to my next question. Uh, how, I mean, I already know what our libraries kind of, marketing goals are or at least one or two of them um is that something that for instance a department or a staff person of one that's responsible for all of the marketing for their library is that their responsibility to determine or should that come from administration like how do you determine what your marketing goals are So I realized from a time crunch, it may seem like you would prefer leadership to set the marketing goals, but you don't, at least not in a silo for the leadership to do, because because then you also know what's manageable within Mm. what you can do. If you set it for leadership, and I'm speaking generally not to specific people who get it, but in general, they may have different things. Now, you also shouldn't create the strategy in a silo, but but let's say you come up with, here's what we're doing now and you've put it into a strategy from that. You know, you've written your one-page strategy and then you meet with leadership to discuss, is this where we should be going? And, and so it's a conversation, but I always love if the mar- whoever's handling the marketing can take the lead on that conversation because then you have more control over it. Um, and it, and that initiative looks good to usually looks good to leadership rather than having impo- them imposed on you and off because often those are unrealistic expectations and goals. All right. So if your leadership is isn't really um, and I don't know if this is the case out there, but maybe they just they're, they don't really care is like the, <laughs> the only way I can think to phrase it then how many marketing goals do you think a department or or a single staff person should come up with for themselves for strategy? I'm going to say pick one first. One. Right? Pick one. That does not mean you can only work towards that one goal. There are lots of needs and things. But pick one, particularly if this isn't part of how how your success is being measured as a staff member, Pick one goal that you think is reasonable and f- and and focus on that. Do not create 10 goals. You know, and, and in general, I wouldn't think, I would think three to five is good, but it just depends on so much. But if you're just starting out, pick one goal. Do you want to increase website traffic? Do you want to increase 
materials, uh, checkouts of materials based on your marketing, you know, something like that. Pick one thing to focus on and, and really look at that um, as you're doing the everything else that you have to, but just pick one. All right. That sounds great. I mean, one goal. <laughs> right. It's all about making it manageable because if it's not, if it seems too cumbersome, you're never going to do it, right? If it's it's the same with exercise and dieting and everything else like that, uh, you know, one pound or 15 minutes of exercise seem reasonable, but, uh, you know, 100 pounds or 50 pounds just seems like it. that's a forever. So, uh, so think about it that way, just one bite at a time, which is kind of probably not the best analogy for what I just said, but <laughs> one bite at a time from a marketing perspective this 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 is unrelated but um all of the libraries I've ever worked at we love to talk about food (laughs) (laughs) yes yes that's that's uh the fun part our library actually has a spice club now where people get a different spice every month and then now at the end of the year they're having a potluck with all the food and I'm like I haven't participated in the spice club but I'm like Ooh, that potluck sounds really good. Yes. <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. Oh, uh, I do want to ask you, um, do you, how do you find inspiration? And I realize you're a consultant, so maybe your part of marketing, marketing has evolved. Um, but where do you find your inspiration and or do you have a favorite book on marketing that you refer back to? So I, so part of my work with the Content Marketing Institute, I don't do a lot of writing for clients kind of thing, but I do do a good chunk of writing about content marketing and I've been doing it a while. So, so uh, it gets, yeah. So when I have to come up with a story idea, I, I've been there and I am actually there right now because I've got a couple articles too. Anyways, um, from that. So looking for inspiration, I look for all over. So I just, um, I've written posts um, on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and tied it to content marketing, the Hallmark Channel movies and the whole holiday movie things. So I I do enjoy some TV and that kind of stuff. So I've looked for, I get my inspiration there, but then I can look as based on conversations or just listening to other people. I do like to read when it hasn't been a tough writing and editing day, I don't know how anybody else feels who gets into that, but sometimes I just can't read. Like it's not a pleasure at the end of the day because I've been looking at words. Um, So, but I will read fiction. I love biographies to do that. Um, Historical, historical biographies more so. Um, So a lot of places, and I think that's where you need to, it's not just one place for inspiration uh, to come through. As far as books, a specific book within marketing to to come through, I don't I don't have a specific book. I actually just did a list of books to buy for marketers for the holidays at the Content Marketing Institute. So um, you can go there and look for I think there's 25 on this year's lists, and cool. and there've been other lists before. Um, I think it's so much about finding who speaks to you. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of books out there that can do that. I don't have a specific one that that I go to. I think if you're into writing and really understanding communicating, Anne Hansley just updated a book called Everybody Writes. Um, and I haven't had, it's really thick. 
Uh, and I've started looking at it and, and it's, and, and it's funny. So I like that because it's funny. It's, oh, I never thought about that, even though I've been writing for decades from that or how to form something uh, to, to do that. Um, so that's, that's one book that has both practical and kind of a fun, and that's kind of more my speed. Yeah, I enjoy Anne Hadley, and I actually, um, I purchased her her new book, but uh, when I get home from work, I, I've been having a hard time focusing on reading. Yeah, yes, yes, no, it's it's there, and Anne would understand that. You'll have to tag her on Twitter or something when you read it, because she will, she would love to hear the feedback uh, from it, but she's, she also, yeah, she will totally understand that sentiment of, I'm at the end of the workday, I, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> There's like, um, I, I don't know, do you work from home or do you have an office? Because I feel like sometimes there's um, a real difficulty with work-life boundaries sometimes because, you know, it's really hard to leave work at work sometimes. And then you come home and you're thinking about, oh, I just got an idea. Uh, can it wait? No, right. I'm going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and I do work from home. So I, and sometimes I may not, I may have some stuff I need to do in the afternoon and I come back. So I have a flexible schedule and that kind of stuff. And it's all just kind of blends together. I deliberately, right? That's the life that I've been, I've been able to set up um, from it. But yeah, no, so the ideas that come, I'll go to sleep trying to think of like, okay, my intro for that's going to be, um, and hopefully I remember it in the morning from that. But yeah. Then I count that as work time. I'm just kidding. I, I don't bill for that time, but yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I'm just checking the time here. Do you want to talk a little bit about GeForce communication? Sure. I mean, it's it's a pretty easy story. I uh, GeForce communication um, is my company. So I've been a solo business person for, I will be actually celebrating 20 years on my own um, in January from that. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. It's one of those until you stop and think about it. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, I work with the Content Marketing Institute. I also handle uh, clients. So the Content Marketing Institute was founded by Joe Polizzi. He sold it in 2016. And a couple of years ago, he launched a new venture called The Tilt. And so I'm working with him on that. The the Tilt is a newsletter for people who are turning their expertise into a content-first business from that. So it's it's really this creator economy, not the influencer side of it exactly, but it's really making a business uh, and people who are in, entrepreneurs who are making a business from based on some kind of their expertise. It could be a hobby type expertise. It could be a profession, whatever uh, that they've been doing. So I've been doing a, a newsletter that comes out Tuesdays and Fridays uh, with that. Um, so that's a lot of fun to put together and get to interview creator professionals and creators who are who are starting businesses, successful in business, all those kind of stuff. And then the last part of what I do is is go and do strategies and help organizations create their strategy, pull together their strategy, and then help them figure out how to implement it based on whatever resources they have available. So I keep busy. Yes. Yes, you do. I am incredibly impressed by you. 
<laughs> don't need to be it's we all work you, you I was just gonna say looking at all that you do uh, I'm impressed by you as well so well, thank you. I'm also curious uh, if you ever um, kind of find yourself at the library board meeting saying, hey, we need to actually do this. <laughs> so it's funny that you say that. Um, I not really. So I just started this year and uh, Chanel Steiner is the person at, at Rocky River Public Library who's who's great. Um, and she just had a staff member leave. So it was just kind of funny of talking about the staff member, like, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff of, I know the industry, right? I know the compensation, I know the opportunities from there. Um, so so it's kind of on that side, but they do a great job. What's, what's kind of fun is to um, have that crossover. So I've known library marketing people in my content marketing worlds that I've gotten involved in. So it's, it's fine. It is fun to see the kind of the overlap in it, but I don't, I don't sit there and go, I wish they were doing this or, or that kind of thing. Yeah. No. Nope. Nope. If it was bad, I would, but it's not. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. It's always good to know um, someone's doing it right. <laughs> yes. yes, they definitely are. <laughs> well, um, where can we find you online? I know I found you through the Content Marketing Institute, so I know that's one place to do it. Um, but where else are you online? Yeah, I'm on still on Twitter. We'll be around for a while, probably. Uh, <laughs> and LinkedIn. So my name um, is for both of them, and it's Anne Ginn, A-N-N-G-Y-N-N. So if people have, hey, I have this question or I hit this thing, I'd love to connect with people. Um, on LinkedIn or Twitter. I mean, my GeForce communication is my website. It is really basic, but social, you can connect with me there or, or social from that. I'm, I'm happy and would love to connect with other people. Well, I really appreciate you um, investing your time and doing this interview with me tonight. I'm really grateful and super appreciative of you. And I am super excited to have learned as much as I did from talking with you tonight. And I really hope our listeners um, are just as excited about everything we talked about tonight as well. Yeah, I enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'm wondering, you know, if there's anybody um, that you think I should reach out to next to, to talk about marketing with. Hmm. Anyone, that's okay if you can't. I don't, not, not specifically off the top of my head. If you have to specific topics, that's, I like, that, that then can lead me. So I, I know, let's put it this way, I know a number of people because I've been here a while. Kind of okay. thing. So if there's like, hey, do you have a, who would be good for an SEO? Who would be good for events? That kind of thing. Then I probably could could come up with something a little bit better than well, I've come up with nothing. So, um, <laughs> so I definitely could come up with names. But feel free to reach out on that kind of stuff. Of like, I'm looking for somebody to tackle this. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I would really appreciate that. I actually need to come up with my own strategy for this podcast. <laughs> Um, you is, and you are actually the tilt that I was talking about what you're doing as a content business, right. And, and all that kind of stuff. So there's, um, there's some materials there. And if you want, it's, if you go to the tilt.com, that's where you sign up for the newsletter and 
it's all designed about how to do what you're doing and to turn it into a, a an, to grow an audience and to turn it in, earn revenue and all, which I'm sure you might be planning down the line or would like to do. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm You don't have to know now, right? It's just thinking. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're well, you've got a great start. So that's awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate you. Um, and I'm definitely going to sign up for the newsletter. I actually, I probably went overboard because I get lost newsletters now, but like I follow, um, I forget his name right now. And I, and I wish I, my memory was working better, but the one that does the story brand, I follow him. I get his Oh, newsletter. Don Miller. Don yeah. Miller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and then like my perfect marketing perfect professor or something and uh and then the content marketing institute and uh hubspot and a couple others so yeah, yeah. a lot yeah figure out what works but yeah feel free and again reach out anytime even through your own business i'm happy to happy to answer any questions if i can help thanks so much anna i i really appreciate it and i hope you enjoy the rest of your night and happy holidays thank you you as well i hope you find some time to not be working oh yeah <laughs> Yes, you too. Thanks a lot, Katie. <laughs> Bye. All right. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope it was as helpful for you as it was for me. You can follow this podcast to keep track of new episodes and find it primarily on RSS and Spotify, but also on some other major podcast platforms too. Find me on Facebook at Library Marketing for Library Marketers. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review or sending me feedback at rothlyk at gmail.com. Until next time. Yeah. Yeah.